This is Common Ground, KCRW Berlin's new talk show, fostering debate and a deeper understanding of controversial issues in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. To introduce today's topic, we take you to a former working class neighborhood in Eastern Berlin. Give a listen. High-rise office buildings like this one are going up all over Friedrichshain. Many city officials and investors would like to attract Amazon and other big-name companies to the district over the next couple of years. They say creating a tech hub could bring Berlin thousands of jobs in research and development, along with badly needed tax revenue. But other Berliners believe it could destroy their city. Activist and freelance journalist John Malamatinas warned in a YouTube video last December that other tech hotspots like Seattle and San Francisco have faced rapid gentrification and seen a spike in homelessness in displaced residents. Maya Gross, who lives in Kirpenich, but who says she spends a lot of time here in Friedrichshain, shares his worries. She also thinks there's a good chance the new businesses won't come. These office buildings aren't going to be occupied anyway. They're being built, but there's very little interest because the rents are so high. I'd like to see more green, more for the people, not this cold concrete. Sergio and Moeco, a couple living in Friedrichshain, say they are resigned to the rent increases. They prefer to think of the benefits for their neighborhood when it becomes a tech hub. It means job opportunities for the people that live in the nearby. So I don't think it can have much of a negative aspect on the lives of the people. When I was here at first time was, I think, in 2014. And here was no buildings and it it was just the peoples and drinking beer and... The landscape may have improved, right? Yeah. <laughs> so who is right? Those for or against turning Berlin into a tech hub? We will explore the ramifications this week on Common Ground. My guests are here in our studio in Steglitz, ready to delve into the subject. They are John Malamatinas, the freelance journalist and activist you just heard in our story from Friedrichshain, Jonathan Miller, founding member of the grassroots campaign Tech Workers Coalition Berlin, and Nina Monahan, vice chairwoman of the Free Democratic Party in Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg. She's also the head of marketing and communications of a digital agency in Mitte called Universum AG. Welcome to you all. Hello. Hello, everyone. Pleasure to be here. We had hoped to have a representative from the company building the controversial high-rise Amazon plans to use in Friedrichshain. Edge Germany had agreed many weeks ago to appear on today's show, but ended up canceling twice, including the night before this taping. So let's turn to the discussion about what happens to Berlin if it becomes a tech hub. The predicted consequences remind me of the extremes in a tale of two cities. So my question is, why is there so little overlap in your positions about this? Does Berlin becoming a tech hub really mean the demise of our city as we know it? Or will it lead to a desperately needed infusion of skilled labor and revenue, as proponents claim? Let's start with Nina. 
So, uh, yeah, I think there's different positions on this question because um, there's different needs and so many different perspectives. So on the one hand, obviously, uh, Berlin really desperately needs some more um, economic growth. And we all are happy to to see that, especially if we see the decay over the years until the uh, wall came down in 1989. That's like something that still Berlin has no industry. So we could be uh, positive about this um, development. On the other hand, I see obviously people that uh, live here, have uh, they're used to pay small rents and that is also something that people are just used to they don't want to pay more and so the NIMBY faction grows like the not in my backyard um, faction they want uh, to, to keep what's going on and what's um, and the situation so I can totally understand that on the other hand you can get afraid of what's going on and the rents are rising and yeah you see it in the politics as well. Yunotan, you're a software developer so it would seem to me you would want tech jobs coming to the city, and yet you work for a grassroots campaign that has expressed concern about this. Can you explain the dichotomy? Why why are there such diverse opinions? Sure. Um, So I think fundamentally there is a fear of the unknown. Most people who don't work in the tech industry are not sure what the tech industry, what values it brings to the city. And as someone working in the tech industry, I have understandably a more nuanced take on it. Um, Like Nina said, I value uh, the low rent of Berlin and uh, that it is a city that primarily doesn't have a single industry that defines it. But when you look at what the tech industry has done, particularly in San Francisco or Seattle, you see that there's skyrocketing homelessness, that gentrification is one of the big issues. But also that um, when these companies like Tesla and Amazon become so incredibly wealthy, uh, that wealth doesn't trickle down to the cities or the people that work for the company or the residents of the cities where they're based. So the question to me is, what does Berlin get out of this? And from this, I think the answers are quite revealing. John, um, you obviously were involved with some of the protests that were quite noticeable or visible in Friedrichshain about the high-rise tech hub called Edge East Side Berlin that's going up there. Are there any benefits to be had, or do you have questions about what those benefits are for the city of Berlin? No, I can understand that many people are worried about uh, how will be the growth in Berlin. You know, ex-mayor of the SPD, Wolverite, said always uh, we are poor but sexy. And I think some people want to get away from this image. But I would say Berlin is not only changing now, it changed several times. So there is also a class of cultures. And of course, I'm on the side of the, I would say, more left-wing autonomous people side from the 80s, where there were many, many nice squats, occupations, which made, you know, a political culture which attracted artists, which attracted then the waves of gentrification. And that's how Friedrichshain and Kreuzberg, Neukölln became the neighborhoods like they are today, very hip neighborhoods. But I would say that uh, already the people have this fear, not only because of the unknown of the tech, but because also of already the past, how they got, uh, yeah, how the rents rise and how they uh, have to leave the city and cannot, it's not anymore their neighborhood. But uh, when we went there, when we went to Friedrichshain, it's not like this is not a business type area. You have malls, you have, I mean, it's not like there are people living right along that area where this tech hub would go up. So why is that a problem? Nina? Well, I wouldn't say it is, is such a problem. Shouldn't we just be open to um, change? Isn't isn't it like that? Because on the on the one hand, you can also see that um, Berlin, like you said, it had several changes, not in the 80s and the 90s, obviously, but also in the 2000s. Like the artists already were gentrification to the people that were living there in the 80s and the 2000s, which may be uh, late 2000, what, what I am when I went came to Berlin. Uh, I'm also one of those gentrifiers. Uh, everyone kind of is, like anyone in Berlin. 
So I think, should we conserve it at a certain level or should we be open to progress, to change? And of course, my personal opinion is like a city has to have a clear vision of what they want to have happen, but they also should be open. They can't just conserve it at this status in 2020. Well, is Friedrichshain the best place to have, let's say, the tech hub center or heart of Berlin? Or are there other neighborhoods that are better? Jonathan? I mean, answering, you know, from the tech companies' perspectives, um, what they're interested uh, is it depends on for which workers we're talking about. If we're talking about the Amazon warehouse workers, they're interested in very geographically sensitive spots. So, for example, Amazon announced last week they're going to be building a new warehouse along the Halle uh, airport because that's uh, quite convenient for shipping and tracking. But if you're going to try to hire 1,500 software engineers, uh, they don't want to live uh, nearby an airport. So what you see is you see a hierarchy of where the workers are and where you can attract people. And when you also look at companies like Tesla, they're building two facilities. They're w building one in Grunheide. That would be for the uh, industrial workers. But when they're hiring uh, the designers and the other like white-collar office desk workers, those are people that will have offices in central Berlin. So the question is for who? What about you, John? Do you think that I, the I read an article also, I think yesterday, how many bureau, uh, office spaces will be empty also during Corona? Because many companies, you know, discover themselves, oh, it's possible without an office. So I think uh, in the center of the city, of course, there are many, many uh, spaces which are going to be empty and uh, can be used by these tech companies. Uh, and of course, I think it's not a solution to say only, ah, Amazon, get out of Friedrichshain. It's not about that they should go to another neighborhood. You know, it's also a questionable for whom, you know, and for what we are doing stuff, you know, and uh, for whom we are doing politics. And so I'm not wondering about that the FTP wants, you know, more, I would say, middle-class tech people or higher-class people coming to Friedrichshain because they need some votes, you know. In the last election, they got 3.3%, I think, <laughs> in Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg to make a side joke. And uh, I can understand these issues, uh, but I think I'm with the migrant people, with the artists, uh, with the squatters who are living there and want to maintain a culture which made Berlin attractive as it is. But these people need revenues or they need city services, right? So is there another way, an alternative way you see to funding? Because Berlin is already the investor, mm. the startup capital of Europe. So why not bring in something that actually provides jobs? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not against jobs, you know, because I think people need a way to live. But the, is it jobs for the people who live yearly there? If I look at my street in Kreuzberg, I don't see many tech developers. I see them in the cafes speaking English, you know, and uh, they've came and they come also and use Airbnb stuff, you know, etc. And uh, I think uh, there is a limitation to the view for whom are, is this happening? For whom is this sky bar being built up in the edge tower, you know? And I don't think that the homeless people or the Turkish family living next to, in my street will be at the sky bar. Well, you live in Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg, so what do you say to that? What's your answer, Nina? I'm just surprised by this answer because, like, if you say, okay, we don't want Amazon in Friedrichshain, so on the other hand, you're fine if it's moving to a different neighborhood. But, I mean, why shouldn't the company have the decision to take an office building that is affordable to them and that makes sense to them? So my answer would be to this, I'm not against Amazon in total. Not, you know, to say boycott Amazon but I'm for a democratic control of Amazon because I think this company, you know, we have to see which company operates in the city, you know, and if uh, Musk from Tesla is a nice guy, okay, <laughs> we can figure out. But I think Jeff Bezos, for example, in the last months, he has profited so much and he's giving nothing to the people. 
you know, and I have many, many friends in the fulfillment centers uh, at Amazon, and they talk to me every day about how are the working conditions there, how the, they are not protecting themselves from corona, and what they get from the piece of the pie, and it's really, it's really small. And I think Amazon is not paying taxes. Amazon is not a company which suits to German, I would say, business environment. And uh, I think some changes has to be happen so that Amazon could be active here in a way under democratic control. Jonathan, I'm going to let you have the last word on that question. I think what's frustrating for me is people so often focus on the image of the like tech bro that is sitting in a hipster cafe and you know calling them gentrifiers or people who are not paying enough taxes. And I pay 45% tax and I'm very happy to and I think it's the right thing. Uh, the issue to me is not so much about the individual employees, but the companies themselves. So Amazon itself, as a corporation in the United States, offsets its uh, tax uh, rates. So they have an effective tax rate of zero. In Europe, uh, most companies that operate on German soil are based either in Ireland or Luxembourg. So when we're looking at the tax percentages, um, who are those taxes actually going to? We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will respond to questions from KCRW Berlin listeners. Stay tuned. One A is the largest daily national conversation for NPR listeners. Hi, this is Todd Zwillick of One A, where we are always thinking up new ways to include voices and perspectives. Bring your voice to the conversation on the biggest topics facing America, and hey, be ready to hear from those that you won't always agree with. That's next time on One A. One A tackling policy, politics, and technology every weekday at four on one hundred four point one KCRW Berlin. Hi, I'm Josh Barrow, and I host Left, Right, and Center, KCRW's confrontation over politics and government. Each week, we puncture the self-contained opinion bubbles for a civilized yet provocative conversation that spans the political spectrum. With a rotating cast of special guests, we tackle America's politics and its relationship with the world in these unstable times. By airing our differences, can we find common ground? We're certainly going to try. Left, Right, and Center airs each Saturday at 11 a.m. and Sunday at 6 a.m. on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Hi, this is Moderna. Join me every Thursday for Brave New Rave, where I provide uninterrupted music influenced by Berlin's underground techno, dark disco, and left-field culture. That's every Thursday from 9 to 11 p.m., just after fresh air, here on 104.1 FM, KCRW Berlin. Studio Berlin is our current affairs show here on 104.1 FM. Each week we break down the news and take a closer look at the topics that affect our lives here in Germany's capital. Tune in every Wednesday at 10.30 a.m. and Saturday at 10 a.m. here on KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Common Ground on KCRW Berlin. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and with me in the studio are Nina Monahan of Universum AG and the Friedrichshain Kreuzberg Free Democrats, freelance journalist and activist John Malamatinas, and Jonathan Miller of Tech Workers Coalition Berlin. We're talking about what will happen to Berlin, good and bad, if the city becomes a tech hub. Let's take some listener questions. Hi, I'm Rebecca Pedinoff, and I live in Schöneberg. My question is, do we want Berlin to become like San Francisco, where they killed everything they once loved? 
it's been gentrified out of recognition. The artists and musicians have left in droves. And the people who came in had no respect or appreciation for the soul of the city as it was. And now it's just a pretty place that is unaffordable and only livable for the tasteless wealthy. John, I'm going to have you answer that one. But before you do, I just want to give a little more context about San Francisco and the Silicon Valley. There's no doubt that there is a rising or growing gap between haves and have-nots in San Francisco and the Silicon Valley. And uh, there have even been protests against it, uh, like there was the fighting against the Google buses. I don't know if you remember that from a few years back, uh, in which the city responded to protesters and agreed to regulate and collect fees on, on that transportation. That seemed to settle it down. But there's no doubt that people in this part of California feel that what businesses and what government entities are doing there is that as, instead of spending money to improve places – that they're basically uh, improving people. In other words, forcing out the ones they don't want and bringing in people who have jobs. So what would you say to Rebecca's question? I would uh, totally agree, of course, because if you look at the numbers, you can see how many evictions happened in the last 10 years in San Francisco and the Bay Area. It's skyrocketing, you know. And, of course, there were different waves of gentrification in San Francisco, you know, uh, already in the 90s <laughs> when the first tech companies happened. But I think also in the 70s and 80s already changes happened. And, of course, we know, all know San Francisco with its nice houses, you know, the streets going down like this. And, of course, I'm not the guy who says, ah, it's about only the aesthetics to preserving them. I agree with her. It's nice to have a nice city and to live there. And, of course, it's not possible for everyone to live mm -hmm. everywhere, you know, in the hippest places. Uh, but, of course, it's really a bad thing when the people uh, are attached to such a place and are forced to leave this place. And we know that in the U.S. politics, evictions is a big, hot topic. As you see also during Corona time, there was also rent strikes going on, I think, until today. So I hope that the people will struggle against it. And I had the same feeling when I was in New York. And I followed there the struggle against the uh, Amazon HQ2, you know, which was planned in Queens. <laughs> now they're building with their own money something in lower Manhattan, as I know. But the people said to us the same arguments. They were fear about what happens in San Francisco and, by the way, also in Seattle, that this happens in Queens, New York, which already happens. But the people there did already some wonderful things. For example, Walmart, you know, is still at the <laughs> city gates and not... Uh, <laughs> cannot establish themselves in Queens because of people saying, oh, yeah, we want to preserve also our local markets. Nina, do you see a danger of Berlin becoming like San Francisco? I don't know if it really is a danger to become like San Francisco. Obviously, we've been seeing that in the last years, every year, 40,000 people have moved to Berlin, and that was not only tech workers. That was people that work in politics, people that work in other companies and other fields. So I think it is um, a general problem that politics have to deal with and it's not only the tech so if now amazon has a headquarter type of thing in in berlin friedrichshain 2000 people will uh, work there of course that will change friedrichshain a little bit mm. but um i think in friedrichshain um, there's 300,000 people that live there so it's not such a big big issue of course we need housing for everyone who's moving here and that's already happening even for other reasons and that is something that the city has to provide and that they have to uh, give permissions to build. And that is actually a problem that we have with the actual government, that they don't do it as much as they could and that why rents are rising. Jonathan, as a software developer, do you feel that they're more responsive to people like yourself in San Francisco? Or do you think Berlin is embracing people who are in the technological fields? 
I think, you know, if you asked me this question five years ago, I would have given you a very different answer. And uh, this is also true in San Francisco. In 2014, you had these uh, kind of housing protests where they were throwing rocks at the uh, Google buses. Uh, and that's changed today. Um, I think with groups like the Tech Workers Coalition, um, you're seeing more and more concern also from the tech industry, whether it's about gentrification, but also on the uh, social harms brought by the industry and that we want to hold our employers accountable. And so when you look, look at companies like Amazon, there's two questions here. One is, uh, what is, can Amazon do about the housing crisis in Berlin? And the other is, um, what is Amazon doing to pressure the city council to intensify the housing crisis? So when you look in Seattle, of course, it's the city council that's responsible for a lot of legislation. But Amazon has been one of the top lobbyists trying to oust uh, politicians that have uh, funded housing taxes on Amazon. And so it's not just the city council's fault, but also companies who are trying to lobby and influence them. Let's hear from another listener. My name is Jamie Moore, and I live on the border of Tempelhof and Kreuzberg. And my question is, what solutions have Berlin urban planners found to maintain a balance between integrating revenue-generating industries such as tech and retaining the unique neighborhood character as well as affordable and appealing conditions for city dwellers? In other words, not having Berlin become a European version of San Francisco. Nina, you're the politician in the group, as it were. Um, so what are some of the steps that not only industry, but the city of Berlin and Friedrichshain-Kreuzberg are taking to offer that protection? So I actually think the city doesn't do enough to maintain the character of Berlin, which we all kind of love. And, um, for example, if you see all those sky uh, rocket housing there in Warsaw Straße that's been planned or the mall there. It's nothing that is beautiful. Um, no one will ever say that. Even though they made these decisions many years ago and they can't take them back even though they try now, which is kind of stupid in my opinion because um, they should have done it in the first place 10 years ago. Because even as a company, I can understand that if you if you have the permission to build a building in a certain way, why would, would you have to change it five years later? I think it's something that the city of Berlin and the district should have done way earlier. Also, they don't do enough. For example, if, we, if I know 40,000 people are moving to Berlin every year, and I have to react. I have to have more um, civil servants, for example, or at least employees that speak maybe English because people are moving here and speaking English. Or because uh, traffic changes, because just 40,000 people are using public transport, are, being on the, uh, are on the streets, so there's more bicycles on the way. And the city just doesn't do enough to give a good answer. Jonathan, you wanted to say something? I mean, what's frustrating for me is, like you see with the Tesla project, they are building it right now as we're speaking without permits, and they're doing this at their own risk. So they're not actually waiting for urban planners to give them the green light. They're just rushing forward and hoping that this creates a kind of a public and political pressure to retroactively approve these projects. And so what you're seeing is the tech companies are leveraging their power and force uh, without getting the full input. With the Edge project, we only found out about a year ago, the public found out, that this is happening. I agree a protest or planning should have happened a decade ago, but the public wasn't afforded that opportunity. So uh, I actually think this is not true because the, the public always has the opportunity with beteiligungs for fun or other um, processes to interact with what's um, being planned. Maybe a year ago, media started to cover um, the story and this project. And then, of course, more people are aware of it. And I think actually politics should change in that way that it's easier and closer to interact, uh, closer to the project or a building being built that um, people will be um, interacting and have the opportunity to give their um, thoughts into it. But um, it's not true that there was never any chance to interact. How do you feel about that, John? 
No, I, I would say, of course, you are both, I think, correct, because if you, I remind, remember the story, was like this, that it was not known who will go into this building, okay? It was known through the city plan, you know, that of this area that uh, this uh, big skyscraper will be built. Uh, but it was not clear until the end <laughs> that Amazon will take this place. Uh, so we were pretty surprised. I remember when I did uh, with our Make Amazon Pay account a post and then it skyrocketed on, in the internet uh, and went viral. And um, it's, I had requests from 10 journalists, you know, so everyone was really surprised about who the tenant will be. But to come back to the topic before, because uh, I think this is a really interesting one. And it's a bit embarrassing, of course, that the FTP, you know, seen by me as a left winger, as a neoliberal party, of course, that she's telling us, OK, no, the politics are doing wrong things here, of course. They didn't plan this really correctly, how the city is changing. And, of course, I would agree. You know, we have this red, red, green government here. And uh, the left-wing party did a campaign with a slogan, and the city is yours, on the Stadt gehört euch, in German. And what happened? <laughs> Real estate companies have still the freedom to do whatever they want. More tech companies are coming here. Of course, there was a small success against Google, you know, but Google will open... <laughs> Is opening in other places in Berlin uh, offices. Uh, so I think it's a kind of hypocritical. On the one side, you have things like the rental break going on or the, you know, this campaign Deutsche Wohnen and Eignen, you know. And on the other side, uh, yeah, the city is just uh, continuing this, uh, I would say, dirty capitalist game, in my opinion, to be a bit more radical. <laughs> so let me wrap it up with one question that I'll have each of you answer succinctly. And that is, is it inevitable that Berlin will become a tech hub? And what is the biggest impediment to that? And we'll start with you, Anatan. Uh, to me, the question should be, will Berlin be an organized tech hub or not? And my answer to that is uh, join us, the Tech Workers Coalition. If you're not a member of a union, contact us and we'll find the right place for you. Nina? I think there is a good chance that it will become a tech hub, but the question is what kind of a tech hub and will it maybe be good for, like, will many people like it? Not everyone will like it. That's impossible because there's so many <laughs> positions, but um, yeah, will many people like it? And I think uh, every person, every everyone in Berlin has the chance to, to join, to give their thoughts and yeah, organize themselves, maybe in political parties or uh, tech workers as well. <laughs> That's also a possibility, obviously, to just um, make the city nicer um, and more livable for everyone. John? I think it's not the question if it's going to be a tech hub or not. I think the big question is if it's going to be a battleground or not. And I think me and my friends are ready to fight against every uh, bad project coming to Berlin, and which is happening without real democratic control of the people. And of course, we're living in a democratic system where we vote for people who are representing us. And uh, we have to show these people that they cannot do anything they want without our say. Very sobering words. We'll have to leave it at that as we are out of time. A big thank you to my guests, Nina Monahan at Universum AG and of the Friedrichshain Kreuzberg Free Democratic Party, Jonathan Miller of Tech Workers Coalition Berlin, and freelance journalist and activist John Malamatinas. It was great having all of you on our second ever show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Tune in next Monday for another episode of Common Ground on 104.1 FM or stream the show via the KCRW app or kcrwberlin.com. Our show is also available as a podcast. And if you want to pose a question on our upcoming episodes, go to kcrwberlin.com forward slash common ground. 